Take your Bibles and turn to, we're almost to the book of Revelation. Look, we're almost on, we're on track to finish like we said we were going to finish. I'm not happy about that because there's so much we're missing. And the study in the fall will actually get to a lot of those things that you might have questions about. So I hope you have a lot of questions, but I hope that you actually have the revelation as God intended it to be revealed to you and to me as he gave it to John to write down. So we're talking about his kingdom come, his will done, not be done. It is, this is a case of its being done. How many of you have ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? You read it where the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And he goes on and tells us what we should ask for. But we're always praying that, God, you're holy. You're first. And we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. So as we look today at the thousand-year reign of Christ, this millennial kingdom period, it's his will being done. The very prayer that you were taught maybe as a child or in your faith, the very kingdom that you asked to come is the kingdom that is actually we're reading about today. So it's hard. You'll see my, even my notes. We'll talk about future and present. It's hard to talk about the future. And John talked about it as past and present. So it's, if my English is off, forgive me this morning, okay? I'm not inspired by God as John was. But we'll read the scripture for what it says. And what I showed even this morning as we taught in, in our Catalyst class. How many verses are in chapter 20? You can look up on the screen. There's 15. Most of, the, most of the chapters in the book of Revelation are 20 verses or less. There's even one, chapter 15, has 8 verses. It's even shorter than the psalm. So the question is, why don't we read Revelation? Fear, not knowing, we just leave it laziness, whatever it might be, we don't read it because the devil knows that the Bible, God himself promised that whoever reads it and hears it is going to be blessed. And so today there's going to be a blessing here, really huge blessing we'll see today, but it's also one of the hardest messages I'll preach anytime in my life because of the subject matter. And we have brothers and sisters and friends and People we love and people we don't even like so much that's going to be affected by this. And we have brothers and sisters that are Christians that will be affected by this as well. And so today as we look into the Word of God, join with me as we read it. And we're going to have more of a, a, have a conversation today. Because the kids are out and we need to talk about this because God is serious about us being serious today in our culture. All right, let's read together. Let's, uh, Revelation chapter 20, let's begin in verse 1. John says this, then I saw an angel coming down from where? Got the picture? We can't see angels. We have pictures of angels. And by the way, if girls, if a guy ever tells you you look like an angel, he's probably not giving you a compliment, right? Because every angel in the Bible is a man or masculine. So if you look like an angel, you look like a dude. That's what he's saying. So honey, you're my sweet angel, meaning you're powerful and bulked out and you look like a dude. All right? So don't take that as a compliment. Amen? Go go check the scripture for yourself. There are these wicked beings with real tall wings in Zechariah chapter 5. You can look up for yourself. They're women with huge stork-like wings, and they represent wickedness. So there are those creatures that have wings, but they're demonic in nature. So he's either calling you a demon or a dude. I'm not sure what does. So don't, that's not a compliment. So if you're his honey angel, you're, you're, you're like a dude. All right. Let's keep going. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. He, hold, he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, one person, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him 
so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And we're going to ask questions. We're going to answer questions. How can a spirit being be chained? What kind of chain is this? What kind of key is this? And what kind of seal is this? But I also want you to look at the thousand years. How many times the Bible says a thousand years? Why did John write 1,000 years? Not 2,000, not 10,000. Why did he write 1,000 years? He was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit who said, write what you see down in a book. So how, many, how much time does he expect us to understand that it's going to happen in this period? A thousand years. Many people want to wipe out the millennial period. Say we are, Some people are teaching we're already in the millennial period. Does anybody think uh, Satan's bound and everything's peaceful and Jesus is on the throne? Not at all. Where's Jesus? We're going to be able to see him. Some people think it's, it's even past. Some people think it's actually we're in it. And some people think it's not going to help. It's just figurative language. Well, I want you to see how many times, and, and I don't want to sway your opinion other than I want you to count physically on your hands, how many times John, as one chapter, talks about the millennial period. How many times he says 1,000 years. And he remember, he didn't just write it because he was an American. John was not an American. He wrote it because he's under the inspiration of whom? The Holy Spirit of God. Write this down, what you see. So here's John, and John's going to write down. And some people say, yeah, what about the figurative language? It's in here, but also, I want you to just to count so I don't sway your thoughts other than counting. I will give you number two. Uh, chapter two is the first mention. Verse three, and he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal over him so that he, he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But afterward, these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads on their, or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has, part of the first, uh, who has part in the first resurrection, over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, verse 7, Now when the thousand years had expired, Satan will be released from his prison, and he will go out to deceive the nations which are in the cor four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, and from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let's pray together. Father God, may you bless the reading and hearing of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right, did you count? How many times did you count? A thousand years. 
Did you get six times in your translation? There's at least six times that John writes 1,000 years. He's writing down the events that are happening in the bottomless pit, hell, and he's writing down the events that are happening actually here on earth, the 1,000-year reign of Christ. He's given us two pictures. He tells the timeline, Satan will not interfere with Jesus' rule and the saints. By the way, that's you and me. If you're a Christian today, you're going to be ruling here on earth as well with Christ. We'll have these new bodies, and there's going to be different people. We're going to talk about the different people in the millennial period, and we're going to talk about where the people that come from that's going to rebel with Satan after the thousand years. We'll look at all that in just a moment as we go through the scripture. Let's go back and take your notes if you would, and I want you to see, and go ahead, you can write down, and we have a handout after the end of the church talking a little bit about the tribulation saints and the millennial kingdom that you can read more about, more scripture you can read about. Uh, you'll see different things, as we mentioned. Go back to verse 1. John says this. Look at your notes. We'll do simultaneously. Go back and forth. Verse 1 through 3, John saw a powerful angel from heaven with the key, uh, and I bolden, embolden the. Why? Or the. The key. How many are there? There's one. And who has it? This powerful angel from heaven. Remember, Satan, what is his nature? His nature is he's an angel, right? He's a fallen angel. He was created beautiful. He was created, his name was Lucifer. If you go back and study scripture, he was created as a high archangel. And we know the Bible says his goal in all of life was to actually rise above God. He wanted to ascend, the Bible says, to the hill of God. He wanted to mount the throne of God and cast God down. The created wanted to beat the creator. Does that sound familiar? Adam and Eve in the garden. Did God really say don't eat of this tree? You can't have any fruit in this garden. Like that bird was trying to stop me from eating those blackberries, right? Uh, I can have the blackberries. There were thorns and stickers around it with the thread of a bird peck, right? But I was going to get those berries this week and last week. Don't mess with my berries. If you go back there, I hope you get a sour one, all right? There's plump ones if you get deep in there, but that bird's going to get you. She's in there. So what I want you to see is Satan did the same thing. Did God really say he can have any fruit of any tree? And they're like, no, we can eat everything except that tree. And he says, the day God, you eat of that tree, God knows that you'll be just like him. Well, who doesn't want to be like God? Aren't we like God today in similar ways? Don't we know good from evil? Yes, we do. Well, the answer is yes, we do, because you live sinful lives. You're, you're a sinner who's been saved. We've been redeemed, but yet we still have these battles with sin. We have episodes of thoughts and actions and words and things we do and shouldn't do. And, and we go through this process. But I want you to see here, this angel has the key uh, to the bottomless pit. If you get the key for the bus, you got to go upstairs, check it out, pick up the key, and take the key to the bus. Even though there's multiple keys, there's only one key that fits to drive the bus, right? There's only one key that opens up and seals the bottomless pit. I don't fully understand how this is going to happen because Satan's a spiritual being. So somehow this is actually a key and a spiritual chain of some sort. And I said, well, some people say, well, let's see, it's just figurative. Well, let me ask you this. If because of our nature and buildup, how many of you think you can walk through that brick wall? Anyone think they can go through it? There's no possible way for you to actually walk through, get your matter through that brick wall, right? And walk out the other side alive. So we understand that by all of death and everything that happens around us, that our bodies are limited. Now, does God have another realm where he lives? Can Jesus be here on earth and be in heaven? How? He's omnipresent, but how? how? The answer is, we don't know. I was listening to somebody this week, a report, saying there's 11 different dimensions that scientists believe exist. I know. I don't get into everything I read, I just, but I do just read and listen. 
So what I want you to understand is there, is there a dimension of heaven that's spiritual? Is it possible there's angels in this room right now? Yeah, it's very possible, right? So I want you to actually, is there possible, is it possible that there's demons in this room right now? Yes, there is. Watch this. Everybody take your cell phone really quick. And I want you to go to YouTube and look at the last video you looked at. Or TikTok, whatever you do. Look at the last video. Or don't, or you hold up for a second. Don't do it because you might, might start playing. What I want you to understand is we all can, I like drag racing. And I told you not long ago I punched in drag racing and it come up with drag queens. That's, they've taken the name drag racing and that's actually new, some of the terminology they use. They know guys like me are looking for drag racing cars and now it's men dressed as women. Do women dress as men? To do, is that called a sin? I don't know. It's too deep for me. But it's, it's the sinful nature of mankind. And if we're not careful, we'll use those same devices. There's radio frequencies coming all through us. By the way, did you know that? I done it maybe 10 years ago. I brought an old boombox in here and just started turning the station. And guess what I heard as we heard as we turned the station? These invisible frequencies that are coming through, the radio waves that are coming through, that we'll receive. And actually, if you have the right receiver, you'll pick it up. You want to hear country? You can find a country station, Christian, Christian station, rock, rock station. You just got to keep turning the dial. And if atmospherics are good, if you studied radio wave propagation, if atmospherics are, as atmospherics are good, then you pick up almost everything. You pick up stations out of Greenville, South Carolina, out of uh, Columbia. And if you drop over to AM, you can even get signals further and further away. If you go to a ham operator or you go to a CB radio, you can pick up frequencies far away. We're being inundated constantly with signals of voices that are speaking all around us. So can angels be here? The answer is yes. Can demons be here? The answer is yes. Because everywhere God's at work, guess who's trying to work against him? The devil and his angels or devil and his demons. And the devil can only be at one place at one time. Remember that he's one created being. He can only sit in one seat at one time. And you and me are small fries to the devil. Just for the record, when we read about the devil, uh, you're not that deep in prayer or that deep in Bible study that you're making that big of kingdom difference. When you start making a kingdom difference, that's when the devil will send his uh, minions to do his bidding. So if you're not being affected too much, you might not be making a large difference in the kingdom. You will be affected because there's three things that fight against you. What are they? Number one, I did this this morning in Bible study. What's the main thing that fights against you for sin? Ever take your finger and say, number one, Number one, and touch yourself. Number one is you. You're a sinful, you're born into sin, the Bible says. Number two is Satan and his demons. There are fallen angels that seek to do you harm. And number three is the world system. Every movie, every, most, every music, everything that's produced out there is designed and has a satanic influence to pull you far from God. Not to push you. Think of the many things that you've seen on television, movies, or wherever you might see it, on your devices. What draws you to God? You have to purposely go find it, and then usually you have to wait for stupid commercials to play or something that's against what you believe to play. If you get to the movies, you got to watch the previews of movies that you would never take your family to watch. You have to go see their stuff before you get to your stuff. Sometimes you get to skip the ads, and now it's getting harder and harder because the world system is against us. It wants us to draw, bring us down. So three things we fight against, self, Satan, and the world system. Got it? Let's continue. These things are going to be judged here in this chapter of Scripture. So the angel here had overpowered Satan and hurled him into the bottomless pit. I don't know who this angel is. I can only imagine. I have speculations who I think it is because they had an argument earlier about the body of Moses. But you can speculate. Another archangel came out and had to 
put Satan where he was, I'm sure, happily uh, to place him in the bottomless pit. So this angel overpowered Satan and hurled him. Whose authority did he use? God's authority to bind Satan. And let me encourage you too, if you grew up in a, especially if you grew up in Pentecostal backgrounds, many times uh, you'll hear people bind Satan. Many times there were people that used to be here, and every Sunday they would bind Satan in this room. They would come in, Lord, in Jesus' name we bind Satan. And they would somehow say the words and feel like they had done it and walk right out those doors. And the same people that bound Satan in here would let me have it right after church, right out there. And I'm like, from one place to the next, did Satan get loosed with their tongue time they walked out that door or that door. So don't get in the business of talking to Satan. Don't get in the business of binding Satan. The Bible says in James chapter 4, draw near to God and resist the devil and he has to flee. That's what scripture says. Who binds Satan? Well, I only know of one person that's bound this strong man, obviously through the power of Jesus Christ. It's this holy angel who has bound Satan with this great chain that's, how is it? Is it spiritual chain? I don't understand it fully. But he's bound him into the abyss. There's angels now that are bound in the Euphrates River. Did y'all know that? The scripture says so. But did you know the Euphrates River is drying up? Have you seen it? So those angels, not because it's dried up, they're going to be released. God's going to release them to do the torment. We read about them and we'll study it in the fall. But I want you to understand, it's by the power of God that this angel does and binds Satan. Satan is an angel. He matches angel to angel with the power of God. With God, all things are possible and God trumps Everything. God trumps all things. All right. I want you to look in your notes in verses 4 and 5. God revealed to John a vivid picture of saints reigning with Christ Jesus for 1,000 years. Satan has zero influence in the millennial kingdom. That millennial kingdom, a.k.a. 1,000 years millennial kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Well, the kingdom come when Jesus came, right? And the kingdom is coming in stages. So we're in the final stage of the kingdom coming. So everything we've been praying for, if you were taught to pray as a child, pray this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Your prayers are being answered. And by the way, John, I know this sounds weird. And Wendy and I were talking about this going, Wendy, this is kind of a moment for me. John sees me and you, if you're a Christian, reigning with Christ. I am here in this chapter. I was also in chapter 19, right? John saw himself and he saw you and me, if you're a Christian today, Ruling and reigning with Christ. Now, what kind of bodies do we have in the millennial period? When Jesus comes back to the earth, new heavens and new earth, what kind of bodies do you and I have? We're going to have a body like Jesus has, right? That new, the, body, the rapture's already happened, the church has been taken up to heaven. Now, there's people that are getting saved during the tribulation period. They're losing their heads. The Bible says they're losing their heads. They're getting their heads cut off for the sake and name of Jesus Christ. Where do they go when they die? They go to heaven with it, exactly. That's where righteous people go. Righteous people go to heaven. Unrighteous people go to a place we call Hades or Sheol or even the King James will say hell. But the proper term, when you and I think about the flames of hell, it's not open for business until after the great white throne judgment. God opens it up. Well, just before it, he's going to throw the Antichrist, the beast, and the false prophet in there. He's going to throw Satan in there, and you're going to see who else is going there. So as you know, hell today, it's not open for business per se. There's a place called Hades, right? There was a place of the unrighteous dead and the righteous dead. Remember the conversation Abraham had with the rich man? He said, look, tell Lazarus just to go. Tell my brothers, don't come to this place. Send Lazarus just to 
touch my tongue. So this barrier that the angel seals heaven, I mean the, the abyss with, was that same barrier those guys couldn't cross across the great gulf. They couldn't cross. Whatever spiritual barrier there was, this is one very similar. Abraham couldn't get to the rich man. The rich man couldn't get over to Abraham's bosom. There was a divide. When Jesus died on the cross, he takes, if you will, the righteous dead and takes them to a place of paradise, takes them to the place where they're with him forevermore. This place is closed for business because it's moved its location to heaven. All right? Righteous dead, if you're righteous today, that means you're saved. The righteous dead go where? Absolutely, the Bible's clear about it. Where does the righteous dead go? If you lost a loved one or brother, sister, mom, dad, whomever it might be, if they die, be absent from the bodies to be where? In the very presence of the Lord. So the righteous dead today go to heaven. Is it paradise? You can, yes, it's paradise still, but it's heaven. Call it what it is. It, there's two H's. There's heaven and there's hell. Now, the hell we talk about today is that holding place of the unrighteous dead. Hades, that place where you're going to die and you're going to go in torment. If you're not a Christian, you're going to Hades. It's awful there, but it's nothing in comparison to eternal death in the lake of fire. Understand? It's, it's a scary thing to think about if you're not a Christian. It's a horrible thing about, to think about if we have loved ones that we have to think about and pray for that aren't saved. We must be making disciples for Jesus Christ to save our brothers and our sisters, our, our family members, anyone that we love, even people that we don't like from going to this lake of fire. Yes, well, Pastor, I'm praying. We'll pray harder. Amen? Join together. If there's somebody with a name that has a name, every name has a soul, and every soul is going to spend eternity somewhere. It matters that we pray because we can't save people. Only God can. But we pray for the Holy Spirit to work on those people that he would actually save their souls that they might not go to this place called the lake of fire. Let's continue. Verse 6, the millennial kingdom time period is also referred to as the first resurrection. Faith wrapped it up for me this morning in Bible study. Uh, we talked about this. If you're born, just naturally born, and you die, guess how many times you're going to die? If you're born once, you're going to die twice. You're going to die the natural death and then you're going to die this death because the Bible says this is the second death. Understand? When you're cast into the lake of fire, the great white throne judgment, you're going to die for eternity. But the Bible is very clear. Jesus told Nicodemus he was trying to give him the understanding. He was a very religious man, knew the Bible, the Old Testament better than you and I do. He knew the word of God. And Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again. And we understand from Jesus' words that it means to be born first of your mother and then born secondly of the Spirit of God. You can read the words. I gave you the reference in your notes. So to be born twice means you only die once. You will not face this second death. Let's continue. Well, he says, God determines those who are in the first resurrection are blessed and holy. God says that about you and me. If you're a Christian, he says he calls you blessed. He calls you holy. He calls you one of his kings. He calls you one of his priests. These are the things that Jesus and God the Father speaks of you and me. He calls the saints, priests of God, who will reign with Christ, and he says, for 1,000 years. Well, verses 7 and 8, let's continue. God revealed to John that at the end of the 1,000-year period, that's the millennial kingdom, Satan will be released from the bottomless pit to do what? To deceive the nations for a short time. You'll see what is in the heart of every child. You go back to the nursery, you go back to your children, my children. What's in their very heart? What's in their DNA? They're, they got the sinful nature and it's called rebellion, right? We rebel throughout time. Wars have been started because of rebellions. We want to rebel. 
How many of you were very rebellious growing up? Anybody? The rest of you are lying. All right. You, if somebody told you no, what do you do if you tell a little kid no? What first word do kids learn? No. Why do we teach a kid no? Because they're always doing yes, right? No, you can't touch the, the stove. No, don't touch the iron. No, don't cross the street. No, 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 no. That's what we do. We have to constantly tell kids no. We tell kids no probably 10 times more than we tell them yes, don't we? We had to find reasons to tell them yes, we can. Yes, you can. How about when your teenager says, why? Anybody? I heard that, right? I'll I'll show you why. I won't tell you, right? That's what you want to do, right? Sometimes you're like, I'll show you why. I'll tell you later, right? It's because we still care for them when they're this big, and we care for them when they're this big. And even when they get older, we care for them continuously, right? But we say sometimes our why is, hey, because I said so. But later when they get older, the why is because this is the outcome, this is the outcome that happens. But we all have to mature into that. And some of us are still rebellious, even though we're saved, right? Anybody still don't raise your hand, right? There's a heart for us to do what I want to do versus what you want to do. I want to overcome you. I want to be first. I want to run. Many men my age still think they're 17 years old, right? My brain says, I can still do that. And I told you all about weightlifting. I went with Mitchell's back there. 185, five times, just talking trash to him as I did it. I said, put 225 on there. And all the boys said, Pastor, 225. I said, I ain't worked out in 30 years. Watch this. I went, Pfft. and something broke in my nose, and blood came down my nose and came in my mouth. And I put it back down really quick and left the scene, right? There was a scene of the accident right there because my brain still said I could do it. But my body says, I don't think so. And so I left the scene. So the, I was laughed at a little bit, I'm sure, behind the scenes. But what I want you to understand, rebellion is at the heart of humans. Here we are. Jesus is perfect. You and I, if you're a Christian, we've been, the rapture's happened, judgment seat of Christ has happened. We have our new bodies. We're in this millennial kingdom, so we're perfect. Well, there's, there's these tribulation saints, people that are believing in Jesus during this seven years of tribulation. Many are losing their heads because of Jesus Christ, but there will be people who make it through the seven years of tribulation. They'll come on the backside of it, and they will enter into the millennial period, they'll enter to this 1,000 years. Who's on the throne during this period? Jesus is where God is ruling this 1,000 years. Where is the devil? He's in the abyss. He's locked up. He's been locked up. He cannot have any influence whatsoever in this kingdom time. The Bible says Jesus is going to rule with a rod of iron, meaning everything that's going to happen is going to be righteous. He's going to do the right thing. Right government. Can you imagine having a government that actually rules righteously? It's going to be awesome, a time of peace. We cannot have, we, the Bible says we would not be given in marriage or married. So we have the new bodies. We don't procreate. We don't, we're not married. If you want to be married for eternity, you say till death do us part at your wedding, right? Many times. Why? Because that's when you part, right? It does depart us here physically here, but eternally we're not given. We're, the Bible says we're like the angels. We're not married to each other. Some of you might say, amen, there is a coming a day, right? Uh, we're not married to each other. For eternity, it's, listen, in this millennial period, we have individual bodies, we have our responsibility, but we're perfected just like Christ is. Understand? It's happened. We've been glorified, if you will, because Christ has made us that way. We have our new bodies. We have these new bodies that can function. We'll be ruling and reigning with Christ. Well, those tribulation saints, they're going to keep dribbling in, right? Because they're getting killed. They're going, if a tribulation saint dies, where are they going? They're going to heaven, so they'll be there as well. They'll be ruling, not ruling, but we'll be ruling. Uh, they'll be coming into the kingdom. Of course, it says that. 
But there's also people that make it through, and guess what? They're going to have regular bodies like you and me have today. They're still going to procreate. They're going to have opportunity. How is that happening? They're going to have opportunity to have children, have babies. And so what happens to these people is they're going to be living under the rule of Jesus Christ. And how are their children born? What are they born into? They're born into a sinful nature because they're still just human. We have our new bodies, so there's different groups of people there. We have our new bodies. They have their old bodies, the, the, the children that are born. And there's multitudes upon multitudes of children that are going to be born. That's where the nations come from. If, if you read the Word of God, let's continue. Let's go and look at this. But they're born with rebellion in their heart. It's just like you and me or your children. When you say no, what does a kid want to do? Have you ever slammed your door and sucked your tongue out of the door for your parents when they shut the door? When you were little? Did anybody ever do that? Yeah. Or throw something, throw a sock that you know wouldn't make any noise. That's your face, right? Or the police, when you roll by the police, how many of y'all been going down the road? You're doing like 90, and somebody flashed their lights. Dink a dink a dink. What does that mean? If you don't know, what does it mean? There's a popo right ahead. 5 0 I mean, there's a policeman right over the hill. If you don't have your ways on, what do you do? If you're, not, if you're not smart, don't know what you're going on, if you don't know the single signal, flash, flash, flash. They're not trying to say, I'm going to shoot you. They're saying, hey, there's a police over the hill. Slow down. That's what they're saying without saying it. And when you get over the hill, you see the policeman, and you're like, oh, thank you, Lord, that uh, Lord, forgive me for sinning, for getting through the whole process. And as soon as you pass the policeman, what do you do? It's cruise control reset. And then, and then the next person you pass, what do you do? I tinkle, 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 right? You, you blink them and say, hey, there's a policeman back there. And we, and, and we do it over and over again. If you don't do it, God bless you. You're a saint of God and you're perfect. But those of us who just have that rebellious spirit want to go fast, right? Why don't they make cars that go 120, register 120 or 150 if they didn't intend for you to do that? If you're doing 100, you are doing the speed limit no matter what the speed limit is. Did y'all know that? If it's 35, 35 is encapsulated in 100. Did y'all know that? So it, you're doing the limit. You're just exceeding that. And the police might not agree with me, but they, they, you are doing the limit, plus some. Our heart at the core is rebellion. So these people that are born, their heart is, at the core, is rebellion. They have to do the right thing because King Jesus is on the throne for this thousand years. But they really, really want to do their thing, right? All right, so let's continue. I want you to see this. What's going to happen? Where do they come from? Where do the nations come from? These nations come from these rebellious people. Verses 9 and 10, Satan futilely attempts to lead a last great rebellion against God. Unrighteous people will follow him, but God's holy fire from heaven will fall and devour them. This is so sad. This is in an instant God's going to devour them. Like the fire fell from Mount Carmel when Elijah called down fire from heaven, the fire from God falls on these people, devours them immediately. Immediately, they're gone. Satan will be hurled into the lake of fire to be tormented, the Bible says, day and night for how long? Forever. This is the end game. I wrote in my Bible, I put, by devil, exclamation point. This is the end of it. Because have you ever said when you were a kid, why didn't God just destroy the devil? Why didn't you just lock him up? Why didn't you just get rid of him? I did. I've, I've done that even now. Lord, this makes my heart hurt because the multitudes, the nations, this means there's so many people still rebelling against God. That means hell is filling up faster than heaven's filling up. And do we care? Do we care that hell's moving at a faster clip than heaven is? We should care. And it's something that we should burden our hearts that we, we, we pray, Lord, please, I don't want to go to heaven if my kids aren't going to heaven. I don't want to go to heaven if my parents aren't going to heaven. I don't want to go to heaven if fill in the blank. 
We, we want to see Jesus, yes, we, we want to see our family and our friends. Even the people we don't like, we should pray for them to go to heaven. Because listen, we don't know one to actually face this, knowing the multitudes are going to face this. Now heaven's going to be a full place, but did you know the dimensions of heaven still has room for every person that's ever been born on the planet? No matter what mathematician uses the math, there's room for every person that's ever been born in heaven. Let's continue. Look at this. This is, this, is, this is sad and amazing stuff at the same time. He's going to be tormented forever in hell, the Bible says. The last judgment, verses 11 and 12, the last judgment for all the unrighteous dead happens at the great white throne judgment. Marshall told me this morning, we talked about uh, Mr. Greg. said, what do you think about when you think about the great white? And Marshall said, a shark. And that's what I think about as well. Right? Great white, is it good or bad if you're swimming? It's bad, right, if you're swimming in front of it. So the great white throne judgment, remember, this is the bad one. This is the judgment. There's a judgment seat of Christ for Christians. It's already happened. This is the great white throne judgment. Everything is getting finalized here. The devil has been cast into the lake of fire. Death and Hades has been cast into the lake of fire. The Antichrist or the beast and the false prophet cast into the lake of fire. And there's only one more set of people that is actually sent for that. Watch this. This is not good. Heaven's accounting books are opened and all unrighteous unbelievers are judged by Jesus for the works done while on earth. And I put on here, God keeps records. He keeps perfect records. So there's... Well, another study for another day. There's going to be levels in hell, but lake of fire is still going to be what? Lake of fire is going to be lake of fire. There's no, you don't want to go there. But there's going to be different levels for people who go there. And the Bible says you're going to give an account for the works that you did. There's people today who say, Pastor, I'm not worried about what Jesus did. I'm just going to do good deeds. And God can judge me based on what I did with my family and with my life. Well, he will judge you based on what you did with your family and your life. He's going to judge you. But ultimately, he's going to judge you based on what you did with the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or did you re reject the very gift from heaven that he offered all of humanity from the time, from the last 2,000 years? And even the ones, if you look at Hebrews, they were looking forward to the promise. They had no idea that the church age, the time that we call the church right now, would ever exist. The Bible calls it the mystery being revealed. So you and I say, well, I don't understand this millennial period. It's kind of confusing to me. Guess what? When you were in 1900, did you ever think... 2000 would be here. Did those people think in the year 2000, we always thought it was going to be, remember the 60s and 50s, they, they said cars will be flying, telephones will be in cars. They were pretty close, weren't they? They had a futuristic look to things. What's it going to be like if we live long enough and the Lord tarries the year 3000? Anybody thought about that? Does it seem so far-fetched to get to that year? It's not. It's just another time period that we don't live in. So we don't fully understand the future. We don't fully understand the past. We have records. But we just we guess what it's going to be like. We don't know. Well, I want you to continue. Let's see this real quick. Let's finish it up. The verses 13 and 14, the Bible refers to death and Hades as being cast into the eternal lake of fire. This is where the beast, the false prophet are. The time of judgment is also referred to as the second death. Remember, if you're a Christian, you won't face the second death. Hebrews 9, 27, 28 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after death, the judgment. Just That's what God's word says. Sadly, if anyone's name is not found in the book of life, will be hurled like Satan into the eternal lake of fire. You can't get out. If you're at the great white throne judgment, it's over. If you die without Christ, it's over. And here's what the answer is. Is it possible to escape the great white throne judgment? And the eternal lake of fire, the answer is yes. 
It is possible, but the only means of escape offered by God is the decision to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior before a person dies. Before you die, you must repent of your sins and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is the only way to avert the great white throne judgment. It's the only way. You're not going to be dismissed because you're nice. You're not going to be permitted to leave the judgment because you help the poor. There is nothing you've done. If you've been religious your whole life but you don't have a relationship, there is nothing you're going to be able to do to be dismissed from judgment. If you're at the great white throne judgment, you're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Do you understand that this morning? Your friends, your neighbors, the person looks at you in the mirror, if you're not a Christian today, you will be. If you died today, you will be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. You'll be tormented with Satan and his demons and everyone who's lived an unrighteous life for all of your, uh, all of life, all of history, from, from Cain all the way through whoever the worst person is to the end, you'll be there with them and with Satan to be tormented in the lake of fire. God wants it to be very clear. He put all of his wrath on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, listen, I'm so angry at sin, I'm dumping it on my son. I'm sending my perfect, holy Son, so that you might have eternal life. We read in John 3, For God so loved the world, that's everyone, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever in the world believes in Jesus shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's something you must do. You can't say, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week when I get older. The Bible says the Spirit of God must tug you. He must pull you to himself. He draws you to himself, and you respond. If you feel in your heart, and listen, when you hear Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, what does that make you think? It should make you say, amen, that's me, right? I'm in that category. And then Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of your sin is death. And that death is not just dying here physically. That death is dying, going to a place of Hades, being brought up to the great white throne judgment, cast into the lake of fire forever. There is no escaping hell once you die without Christ, you say, well, I have loved ones that's passed on. I'm sorry. So have I. And it makes me sick to my stomach and going, God, is there another way? And the answer is, no matter what I think, there is no other way. God has spoken. He's made it very clear. Jesus Christ is the only way. Receive him or pay for it yourself. Let Jesus pay the price. Receive that free gift I've given you or pay for it yourself. The Bible says everyone who confesses with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in their heart that God has raised them from the dead, he or she shall be saved. And then the, Romans 13 says, 10, 13 says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, not just Americans, not just Canadians, not just Chinese, listen, no matter where you are in the world, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then Paul goes on and says, how can they be saved if there's not preachers? And how can they preach if they're not sent? That's why we talk about missions here locally and around the world. We must be about the business of reaching people for Jesus Christ. No matter what your job title is on this planet, that's just what you have to do to get the mission accomplished. We all have a job. We all have retired from something. We all have something to look forward to in the future as a job. But that job is just a mechanism to get the gospel there, wherever there is, and it's around the world. You and I have a responsibility. This is a major responsibility, and I hope you feel the weight of this. Stop your friends and family from going to the great white throne judgment. You say, well, you just said earlier, we can't save anyone. We can't, but we can pray like crazy for those who are not saved. We can get on our knees and say, God, if you don't do something, you're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. This is my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, my grandma, my grandpa. This is people I love, Lord, and you love them more than I do. 
This is your children. Did you know we have preschoolers right now that are destined right now to the lake of fire? You say, Pastor, it's terrible thoughts. It's a terrible thoughts. That's why we should grow them up in the admonition of the Lord. That's why we should be teaching them, Jesus loves me. That's why we go down to Calvary. That's why we go to Malaysia. That's why we're going around the world because we must, we must, we must spend our resources winning people to Jesus Christ. Knowing he does the work, but he uses your mouth and he uses mine. And if our feet won't go, our mouth can't be on location to tell them about Jesus Christ. Our hands won't be there. We can talk all we want to, but if we don't leave the building with an intention to make disciples of Jesus Christ, we're not doing it. We, we're saying we don't care who goes to hell. I've got my ticket. I'm in. That's how the church of Jesus Christ is living today. You must care enough to go. And when there's opportunity, you must say, let me be a part of the opportunity. Otherwise, just let somebody else do it. With the church, listen, next week the financial meeting, the, the administrative meeting, we'll have our financials next week. We're behind this year than we were last year. Why? COVID's not here. And we're not judging. Well, listen, God's given us a great place. But if God's house is not as nice as your house, something's wrong. Would you agree? You must give that we can go. We can't just make it up. God says all of his, listen, everything, Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply what? All of your need according to his riches in glory. Where are his riches? In your checking account. In your wallet. That's where his riches are. He puts his blessings on you so that you might be a blessing to his mechanism called the church that the church might turn back around and go. Now you are the church. That's you and me. We don't go. We sit and wait. We wait until the resources come in to go. You don't go and say, Lord, bless this. We're going to go do this and bless it. That's not how we function. Lord, Send to us the people you want us to have. Send to us the mission you want us to have. And Lord, send us the blessings that we might go. And as he does, as he does those things, listen, nothing matters on the planet to me. Nothing. The nicest of bricks, the nicest of gold. It's just stuff, right? Rust and moth will destroy anything on the planet. Listen, there's, he says, put your treasure, store up your treasures where wrath, uh, moth and rust do not touch. And that's in heaven. Listen, there's people really going to go to heaven and there's people really going to hell. And you and I must be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must be about telling our brothers and sisters, don't go here. This is terrible. This is not just, this is beyond terrible. This is eternal. Listen, I want to challenge you today. The question is very clear. Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? If you're not, listen, quit toying with God. Just, just do like, I, I walked in a church I didn't know anybody in the church. I just went to church and rolled in the back seat. And it was one of those straight, narrow churches. And I heard the message. I'm like, oh, I knew this my whole life. And I was compelled to go forward. I went and told the preacher, I want whatever you're talking about. That's how I responded. He goes, what are you talking about, son? I said, I, I, wanna, I, want, I want that peacemaker. I want what you're talking about. He goes, I'm talking about Jesus. And I'm like, I've heard that before. I turned to leave to go back to my seat because I'd heard about Jesus so much. I haven't seen it lived out. He said, you turn and walk back to that seat, you're going straight to hell. <laughs> he was right. I said, well, what do I have to do? He said, get on your knees. He was very aggressive. Get on your knees. I was in a military town. Get on your knees. Pray like this. Dear Lord Jesus. And the whole church was listening to me. Again, didn't know he was a preacher. I didn't know anybody. It's my second time going there. And I prayed to ask Christ to forgive me and come into my life. Received that free gift. Never been the same since. No fear. No anxiety of where am I going to go when I die. No doubts of uh, all the crazy that I was dealing with, being in the military. None of that. It was, I was set free. 
And that's what Jesus ultimately wants for all of you and all of, all of us, all of our friends and family. He wants us to be set free. And the only way to get freedom is when the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Let's pray. Father God, we know that there's only one way, and that way is Jesus. You said, Jesus yourself, you said in John 14, 6, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody, no good people, no rich people, no poor people, no one comes to the Father except through you. And I pray today if there's anybody in this room, young or old, Lord, that has not fully put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that today would be the day of salvation. Help them, Lord, because they're scared like I was scared, like all of us have been scared before we make this decision. It truly is a spiritual jump in our life. And Lord, we carry it like it's our personal responsibility, knowing that it's just simply receiving the gift that you give us. Need your help. We love you. And Lord, let us, those of us that are truly born again, Lord, let us go and make disciples. Let us not, every time there's an opportunity that knocks on the door, Lord, not leaving our families or giving of our responsibilities, but Lord, also asking and joining you that you might send us wherever you're at work and we'd say yes and amen. I thank you for the day and I thank you for this message. And Lord, this scares me for those friends of mine and the family of mine that I'm praying for that aren't Christians. Because if you come today, Lord, I'm thinking about they'd be so hard-hearted. Lord, turn their hearts to Jesus. Only you can through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Help me do my part. And Lord, I thank you for doing yours. In Jesus' name I pray and for his sake. Amen.